Are you ready? Are you really ready? Can you dig it? Because of the obvious threat to untold numbers of citizens, and because of the crisis which is even now developing, this radio station will remain on the air day and night. Can you happening? Can you happening? murder which is sweeping the eastern third of the nation is being committed by creatures who feast upon the flesh of their victims. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. Hail to the king, baby. What is up, everyone? Welcome to episode number 12 of Mana Screwed. I am Tangent, and this week I am joined for the first time of many by Beamy, a gentleman here who... Go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about about uh, what you do and how you got into magic. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I, my, I, my online name is Davini, and I go by Robert, as some of my other friends call me. Um, my start in magic has gone back, oh, wow, I'd say almost 12-plus years now. Um, play a lot of casual, but my passion lately has been a lot of uh, drafting and a lot of sealed format, and that's where my s- love for magic comes from. The challenge of that. Okay, now when when you say you do a lot of drafting and sealed, you mean uh, actual paper cards, right? Do you have an online account? Yeah, I have an online account, but uh, the online funds are a little lacking <laughs> at the moment. Right. Uh, but yeah, I, I I do a lot of the paper stuff. I did uh, this week. I did. Uh, a Saturday noon and then the six o'clock for the box as they like to call it the shark run so yeah I did that that's usually what I do is I try to hit uh, pre-releases and releases sweet okay so is that's the main time you make it out to to hit the stores is when you're when you're doing those do you yeah, have like then, game day or anything that you that you go to anything like that uh, no not really I do um, mostly because you're playing limited right so. Yeah, I do. I know the owner of the store, so therefore he hooks me up as far as when I should come for different events and stuff like that. Awesome. Okay. Cool. And what did you want to plug the store? Is there a store name there for for uh, you know Milwaukee, it out? Milwaukee Cards and Games? It's uh, it's been uh, it's been there for two plus years. It used to be a different store place before that but uh they moved and uh this place took it over and it's really great the owner of the store is just a regular person like you and me and he just you know he's got a passion for games and magic and stuff like that so it makes it a lot of fun awesome very cool well that's good it's good when you have someone that you actually know that runs a store uh my former co-host actually Runs works at a game store that he he's able to kind of get me some hookups once in a while, so that's kind of nice. So uh, yeah, well that's that's cool. And you've been playing for quite a long time then, so you've seen the history of Magic. And how do you feel that it compares to the, the uh, you know some previous years? How do you feel that the the current the current uh, game is right now? Well, I believe it's it is really becoming a game of. Magic, in the, when I played it in the beginning, was more of, I don't want to say it was as much strategy as it is now. Um, the game right now, especially the meta game um, on the on the standard level, has become such a 
an evolution of of changes and um, new ideas that really make the format and the game itself a lot of fun. I enjoy reading and looking and all sorts of articles and video clips and podcasts all over the place to get as much information as I can just to help my own personal game. Right, yeah. And that's that's one of the things that's sweet about compared to... I mean, when when I first touched any cards, it was like I was in high school. It was which was a few years ago, to say the least. But uh, and and it seemed like there just wasn't a lot of resources. You pretty much had to pick up a magazine if you wanted anything. There was just, the internet wasn't booming with with resources out there for people that wanted to learn how to play. So I really didn't have a clue, and I I didn't really ever get really interested in in magic back at that time. So now with with all these resources available pretty much anyone can can get into it that wants to and have everything right there click of click of a button basically so you know well the one the one nice thing about it is is back then when you would make a deck it would be like oh this might be a fascinating combination of things you'd slap some stuff together and you'd you'd try it and it would either succeed or fail miserably and you'd be like well i wonder why nowadays you can put your thoughts out there on the internet and say here's a deck here's a deck tech somebody break it down and you'll have 50 responses of get rid of this add this and it it helps you because you start seeing things that back then when a lot of us when we first played were playing bash and smash it's like i want to put this big guy out there and that big guy out there and I'm going to run over you and crush you for a win, when in reality, there's a lot more depth to magic. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you kind of, you kind of, <laughs> you kind of see that once you realize why it's not so good to have a hundred card deck. You know, it's, it doesn't, it's not all of the best cards that go into the deck. It's, it's, you know, narrowing it down and making a better deck out of it. But that's one of the first things that a lot of us think of is, you know, Originally, you wanted to play every card, so you had this huge deck. Or, you know, originally you wanted, like, you had a, a favorite color. Oh, I'm just going to play black. You know, I remember a lot of those things from when I first started trying to play because you just have a narrow focus. You don't really see the bigger picture. And other people open you up to that bigger picture, which is one of the great things about Magic. I fell into that trap early on. I was, the group I played with, we were all, a lot of us, well, three out of the six of us were very much interested in green and it was just like oh i can play this six four and that six four <laughs> and you know here oh this one has trample even better and then all of a sudden you see the guy who's playing black going okay i'm gonna hand of death you i'm gonna tear him and it's like what am i doing wrong right and then all of a sudden you start opening up uh, now my group, I was probably the first one to delve into even three colors, and that was before I could get the lands that would help me get the three colors. And it is funny when you play Magic, and with the group you play with, oddly, you're the one that's considered the person that's, oh, you're the one trying the new things and experimenting with the different <laughs> decks. It's actually kind of fun. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Okay, very cool. Well, hey, uh, you know, it's good to know a little bit about, about, you know, what brought you here, and it's, it's good to know that you've got the history. Um, I also like Limited quite a bit. It's, it's my favorite format, followed fairly closely by Standard, 
though, standard changes so much, and, and there's so many, like, you know, right now, there's been quotes of, you need to have Jace the Mind Sculptor in order to win, or, you know, you need to be running Bane Slayers, or whatever, and and that, I don't like that, that aspect of playing standard, is that, you know, sometimes a deck's out there that you just don't feel like you could beat. Previously, it was Fairies. For a while, it was Jund, and, you know, I, I like Limited because it changes every single time it's played. That's the main reason I like limited. Everyone's on the same playing field, you know, and granted, you could get a really, really horrible pull on a sealed deck, which, but you're still, you have just as much chance of getting a great pull as anyone else, so. Well, you know, you talk about, you talk, we're going to talk about our experiences tonight during the pre-release, and it, it's funny, you can see, um, there were people that were at the pre-release I was at for the the box run. I mean, these are some of the top people in the area, and they didn't make top eight. And you could tell the frustration of they were forcing decks together that they didn't want to play. And it's one of the hard things about it is if you don't get the cards that you're used to playing or would like to play and you force an archetype, you can get burned by it. I mean, that's my experience with the first one is I forced blue-white. And right. you make big mistakes by forcing stuff just because you know, and in your heart you know that that's probably the best archetype, but you forced it. Right. And it leads to mistakes. Yeah, and that's, and I mean, why don't you actually talk a little bit about what happened with your experience, and then I'll talk about mine, because see, I saw the same things, and you know, I mean, I even saw a gentleman who opened a Bane Slayer and an Ajani both and he 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 had a similar problem to what i had where he just didn't see them you know so so why don't you go ahead and explain what happened in your in your uh, pre-release because neither one of us had a very successful initial sealed poll i mean we pulled whether we pulled decent cards or not we just didn't do very well and we'll go ahead and talk about that well my first run there at the uh at the noon thing um it was actually kind of weird because when i first got there I'm used to getting there, you know, half hour beforehand, and there's usually 20 people already there. Well, it was like very low, right. and then all of a sudden, everybody came at the end. And my pull, I thought, was decent because I saw a ton of flyers, and because of all the stuff I listened to, flying, flying, flying is going to get you to victory quicker. Right. The problem is, is when I relooked back at my cards, I realized that. Maybe had I stayed away from as much as the blue was nice, I was never going to be able to play my Stormtide Leviathan because right. five and three wasn't going to happen. <laughs> right. And I looked at it again, and I realized that there was a lot of stuff in... Realistically, I could have went green. I could have went green-white. I might have been better. It's hard because when you're making those decisions, you, like you said, you see something. And you go, okay, I can, I've got the ability to control this and remove that. And I can, all of a sudden you're pulling stuff and it's like, this isn't working. And then you play, like my first match against the guy, I'll tell you, it was so funny. You'd get a laugh out of it. The guy's playing red, green aggro. Right. And he's playing red, green aggro. And by the time his third turn comes out, he's got the one that gives him gain for life. 
and all of a sudden he's just every turn it's five four four three and my uh-huh. little two one chump flyers aren't cutting it well yeah absolutely not you know, yeah. and the worst thing about it is is he pounded me the first game so I went out and I substituted out to bring in to stop his um, to stop his uh, spells I brought in two flash freezes great green blue I can counter a spell no problem figure that's going to work I had him the second game down to three and he pulled another phenomenal combo on me of he hit um, and I'll tell you this overwhelming stampede right is is ridiculous when he hits he oh, had yeah he had a 6 4 the 6 4 trample and he had a 3 3 3 warrior out there he giant gross he giant gross the, the worm to make him 9 7 <laughs> and then slaps it out there and it's like ouch so that card, I gotta tell you, in limited, I think can work beautifully. I don't think it can work in, I don't think it can work in standard. I just think it's, there's too many, once somebody sees something big, it's normally gone. I don't think that's really gonna work. I think it works much better with overrun than it would this, but that's just my personal opinion. Uh, yeah, I think I think for the most part I agree with you. I, I it all depends on on your deck and and how what ability you have to get quick creatures, quick big creatures out. Like you know, if if your deck is full of you know three three threes at least, then it's really not such a big deal to to be able to play that. But how many decks really are successful that are running that? No decks really are successful running overrun that right now, unless you're running like a a token generating deck. But yeah, I, I I see what you're saying. I mean, that's the reason why I wanted so badly to just run into that. Because if I had ever seen overwhelming stampede in my pool, I would have won any game. Like any game I had seen that, I would have won. Just never saw it. Not one time. And that's the problem. Is I ran into red green and blue black, and both time the blue black combination was amazingly. He had the combination of the he had so many ways for me to get rid of cards, and it was ironically he was getting me with um, the one that you lose two life for every time you discard a card. Uh, he had him, really. He had him, huh? Yeah, he, the new Megram. Uh, right, he had right. That. He was nailing with it. Wow, the Liliana's uh, enchantment or whatever. Did he, did he have the uh, the Specter too? The the one that yep. discards a card when it, or you discard a card when it comes into play. Two specters, two mine rocks. I remember oh, that. He wow. Had, um, I believe it's preordain, which is the one that you put the top five in your graveyard. Oh. He didn't mill wow. me, but had he not had he not killed me, he would have milled me, which is almost impossible to do in this form. Right. And oh, he also yeah. had Jace Eraser too. So oh, it's that's, like that's insane. I, I I ended up talking to um, the guy who runs the thing. He ended up going two, oh, three and one, and took home eight or ten packs, or whatever. Tied for second or whatever it was. There were two four and O's that he was three and O going into the final match and ran into 
uh, red green aggro, and he just never had a chance against it. His but, creature count was low, but you can't. He had he had enough flyers to stop my flyers. Right, right. See, that's the dangerous thing. And the thing that's funny, you mentioned how I needed to beware of uh, of the flyers, and I never came across one. Not one. Not one single flyer was never the problem. It's just. I just had, I mean, you, you saw my list, and it was, I just had all the green little guys. I didn't, I didn't have, I was hoping to be able to pull off the, the overrun effect, and, and be able to punch through with them. If not, then survive long enough to get my grave tighten out. That was my whole, you know, I, I just, I had two win conditions in my deck, really, because I just didn't have enough power in all the rest of the cards that I drew. Yeah, it's, I, I don't know, I mean, so, if you, you said that when you, when you looked at your cards, you would have gone back and possibly done green, you had, am, am I thinking of the right deck where you said, you had like a Garrick's, Garrick's Pack Leader and, and Garrick's, uh, Companions, is that right? Or am I thinking green, of a different one? Uh, the green, the green I had was, I had, I had the Fauna Shaman. Oh, one, yeah. And, um, and the Spine Worm. And it would have, it would have been more offensive in nature. I think I, I think I worried too much about stopping my opponent mm-hmm. than actually getting my deck going. And that was my downfall for it. And also when I played, it, when you, you lose as quickly as I did in the first two rounds or first game, first two games, I did, I did a classic mistake that Conley Woods would say never to do, and that's never let your last game get to you. Right. And he did, and I walked into the next match, and my head just wasn't there. Right, yeah. Absolutely. I know that feeling. I mean, that's kind of the, that, that's the way I felt, especially when, when, you know, I knew how much of a, gra- a beater Grave Titan was, and after the guy, you know, used sleep, tapped all my stuff immediately after putting him out and then just was able to swing through for 10 and then 10 again and he did that to me twice two games in a row that that match got into my head big time because i was just like well he had really garbage except he had a spell that i know i just don't have anything i can do i didn't get any counter spells at all in my deck i couldn't switch to blue to be able to protect myself from something like that the only thing i could do is not put creatures down but if I did not put creatures down or I saved too big a creature, then I wouldn't have had a chance anyway because he was still putting creatures out. I was just in a real weird situation where he had just enough control to stop me and I didn't have anything I could do about it necessarily. I mean this the sleep is a is a game winning card if you if you've got the if you've got the board position to be able to swing for the win with it, you can that's it. I mean it's won many games in the past, and it's very hard to play around. So. I will tell you, you can fall victim. Uh, you can fall victim to that very easily. It's almost like when the the second round against the blue black guy, where you know, all suddenly I'm trying to press with my flyers, and all suddenly he let like a, a hit of eight to go through for no apparent reason, and I'm like, this seems very unusual that he wouldn't have at least blocked something. Right. And then all of a sudden, here he comes back, and he casts sleep, and it's like, okay. And then all of a sudden, you're looking at your count, and you're looking at your total, and going, he's going to hit for this, he's going to hit for that. Okay, that's it. Yeah. And 
you can again. That's another card that does not work in standard, but in limited. Oh sleep. right. Yeah, I mean, sleep is practically an overrun in limited. I mean, it's 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 almost a two turn overrun. You may not get the advantage of pumping your guys, but if you already have a couple beefy guys on the board, you're going to put it away, and that's that's what he did twice in a row. And yeah, the, well, the next game I, I was green red, so that was a little better, but. I saw your I saw your cards, and the only thing that I saw that at all I would have done maybe slightly differently was maybe dabbled in red, because you had two active treasons, and those things when they go, I mean you can just oh I'm gonna put out a six four beat stick okay well fine I'll active treason it and now it's mine and I swing with it. That that is is I thought about that and plus I had the uh, the vampire too that that sacks and you can get plus two plus two so I could have taken advantage of that. Um, the only thing that I that I like if I splashed red then I wouldn't have wanted to splash white and and I obviously needed to play black because I had grave titan and to me I was just looking at the advantage of the two pacifisms over. I would. I just would have taken the removal. I didn't really want to go four colors. It's very dangerous to do, and so I mean I could have done it because I had you know a little bit of mana fixing, but it, it just was one of those things where I was like, well, I have fireball, which is always sweet, and the act of treasons, and you know I I did think about it, but it's it's also to me it's almost one of those cards where you're like, well if this happens. This card can win me the game, but the problem is, is if that doesn't happen, then I'm going to be shafted. You know, well, you're you're right. Act, Act of Treason clearly is a situational card where pacifism is. It can work at any time. You can use pacifism, and that's that's. And then when I saw your deck, I knew what you were doing. You were just trying to use your pacifism. You're trying to use your other cards to keep control of the board, and then once Grave Titan comes out. Right, they're not going to be able to do anything. Yeah, or even the overwhelming stampede. Even if I had to not trade, if I had to, to just let some damage through. As soon as that thing, as soon as I drew that, finally, I would have won. I mean, it was just that way in every game. I had them beat down a little bit. Eventually, they stabilized because I just wasn't willing to sacrifice all my creatures. But either, but had regardless, I had no way to punch through the damage past a certain point. I didn't have any big creatures. I had all this green and no big creatures in green at all. Uh, three ones were my biggest. You know, that's just, that's not good for green. And uh, and that was a real weak point in my deck is that my my big creatures were limited. You know? Yeah, that's, that, was, that was the one thing that seemed very unusual when I looked through all your cards. You did not have, like you said, you didn't have enough home run hitters. You had, like, the big one, right? And that's it, and that's and that's the problem. I mean, my blue, I had tons of blue, and it was all garbage. It was all the the Merfolk, and I had the Sovereign, but it's like that would be the the, the equal to waiting on coming across Overrun. It's like I'm going to wait for the Sovereign to come out to make my crappy Merfolk good. That's just not you know that doesn't make much sense. So I I, I had a couple flyers, and that's it, and I had. You know, some I don't I don't know. I just didn't have enough to control the board as long as I want to. And if I didn't get one of my two beaters or my two, you know, one of my two bombs, I had no way to win. 
and that's one of the problems. I, I I will take a deck with some decent cards in it over a deck with like one bomb that wins the game because you know I've won many games with with a deck that doesn't really have a bomb, but it's a solid deck, and so it was cool to have the two bombs. It was just really not cool to never see them. Yeah, well, that's the problem with it is um, I remember the last pre-release, um, I had um, Gideon and Transcendent Master. Right. And I 4 owed it and saw Transcendent Master once, and I never saw Gideon. <laughs> so you had a like, solid deck in spite of that, basically. Yeah, because I was very awesome. fortunate that uh, I was that back then I was supported with I was supported with red, and it was basically a lot of red damage removal, and again going back to the white flyer situation, I had enough flyers to get over and win. Right, right, yeah, and and uh, if I had seen lightning bolts or you know anything, if I had any of the removal that. My one fireball and my couple acts of treasons were just not enough for me to want to go red. I thought about it. I thought a lot about it, but I was like, well, you know, I only got one source to sack with, you know. I, I kind of hoped that, like, I had a couple decent artifact creatures. I did have the, I had the juggernaut and that, the one that, uh, ha- comes in with the counters on it and you can remove it to do one, di- one damage. Yeah, just a trillion. Uh, that thing, that thing was awesome. That thing did actually save the day uh, um, when I saw it because I was able to ping a an Awakener Druid and one other card because that, you know, that's that's the one thing that's nice about it is it doesn't seem like much, but the one damage takes out a lot of guys in this format. So, well, what was your personal opinion of the games you saw? What was the Outside of sleep, which we both agree was very devastating as a finisher in limited. What was the one card you saw that maybe you didn't play that you played against that was just like the card that would go, wow, I didn't think you could do this? Um, well, in the green red aggro, nothing. I, I, I really believe I would have won that. I, I, I wasn't smart the second time. The first time I played him, I just, destroyed him the second time i played him i wasn't being smart in my play and he was able to i i drew all land at the end and he was able to like i i traded a couple times i shouldn't have traded yet and then and then uh he just kept drawing burn spells and burned me out at the end the the third game that that i played him um i ended up having a mulligan down to five and then still had to take a questionable hand and uh and just didn't get there. I had three forests by the time that I lost. I just wasn't even able to play the rest of the cards in my hand. So um him I I don't know what he really had that was going to to beat me if I even pulled off a normal hand cuz he just didn't he he had the same creatures I had and he had a little bit of little bit of burn, but for the most part he just I just had a little bit better of creatures and a little bit better of stuff, which is pretty sad. Um, he, the the other guy, um, mind control is always awesome. I mean, you know, that's one card. And then I also, in a game that wasn't against me, I saw the uh, 
the that artifact that, that's like kind of a mini Akroma. That that artifact weapon is insane. The the one that gives like first strike. Uh, f- is it flying first strike? I can't, Zero I can't. trample. Basically, right. what is it? The chroma sword or yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the sword of a chroma or whatever. That that sword is uh, is pretty insane too. So I I don't know. You know, um, I didn't see a lot of the other games because because I I should have. But I did the whole thing that you were talking about where I let my frustration get to me. And I just, I was just like, okay, I'm just not in it. And, and I just took off. So I should have actually stayed around to kind of get a little bit more idea about the format. But did you notice anything? When you, when you have, I mean, we both had high expectations coming into it and how we do. And I think in many ways that sometimes when it doesn't go the way you expect, Instead of just going, we had a bad day, write it off, call it a day, and maybe stick around and see what happens, you know, I left, I went home, you left, you know, and it was like, fortunately for me, I had, uh, my wife was nice enough to let me come back for the evening section, evening session. Right. And I, and I did similar, I actually went online and, uh, and did fairly well, but you know that's that's the thing is is it you did have that and that's great. I mean, did you learn? Do you felt like you learned more from that from the experience coming back and seeing you know what the draft was like and the others and the was it a sealed? It was the second one was sealed too, right? Yes, it was. It was sealed into a draft top eight, and then um, work your way down to a box. Right. But when I, when we all got to the top eight. It was agreed that when whoever would make the top four, that we'd play it out, but it would be split. So oh, everybody sweet. would get their eight packs and happy. Nice. So that was actually a little different. That went, um, remarkably enough, there was a, a buy, and I got it in the first round. And the second match I played, um, the guy, uh, he, the combo I told you about, which, which this is, Ridiculous. He had an infernal elemental, a giant, the gi- a giant spider again. Which anytime I see a giant spider, whenever I play, I'm just gonna kill it. It's not oh, its yeah. name; it's dead. Right. Um, he did the infernal titan, uh, infernal elemental with a giant growth and an overwhelming stampede. And it's the second time I had gotten burned by overwhelming stampede. <laughs> and I just sat there and I watched it, and I went, and he goes. I believe that's 26. Oh, my God. And I'm looking at him, and because the Infernal doubles the spell, it's like, oh, okay, yeah. And you know, I sat there, and the judge came by, who's the guy who runs, well, the two guys that run the store, and he looked at me, and he just kind of smiled, and he went, and he kind of looked at it, and he calculated it out. He said, was that 25 the hard way or 26? And I kind of smiled at him. I said, I said, that hit me so hard. I didn't even get the smile. It just, it just <laughs> over. Yeah, man. Ouch. But That's... I ran into the first guy I played against when I went with my red, green, or green, black, splash of red, and I was very fortunate because I had both the lands that allowed me to splash the red. I saw that. That was pretty. That was pretty sweet. Yeah, he 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 did that, and. I was able to beat the next guy to go 2-1, and I looked at the board, and there were 10 of us that were 2-1 and better. 
the problem is is because I didn't play the first game, my win percentage put me ninth. So I had to play against the guy for tenth, and he was playing red blue, and he had the replicate spell in red. He had the blue the he had two mana leaks. He had the blue one that allowed you to redirect it. Mm-hmm. He had all these spells to be able to make his spells go harder and to stop me from casting spells. And he, I saw two mana leaks. I never huh. saw either one of his spells that he had the other ones because he showed me his deck. He was really upset because everybody else shook right. because they all knew they were going to make it. Right. So he sits there and he goes, and he's, because this guy really wanted to make the top eight. He was bound to determine and he got so mad. He laid down his cards and he said, take a look at this and this and this. And he started laying his cards out and I looked at him and I said, yeah. And I said, had you gotten any of those, you probably would have won. And he just kind of looked at me and he goes, he goes, I mean, this is ridiculous. He said, I had every card to stop you and I never saw him. And I, and I kind of chuckled to myself in my head going, this is exactly what makes magic so great. <laughs> it's amazing. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. And then unfortunately when I got into the, the the draft of the top eight, I saw I saw red as a color I could get. Because every time the cards would come around, there would be more red. The problem was is they were letting me have the non lightning bolt, non Chandra's Blaze, I wasn't seeing those cards. Mm-hmm. And I got against a red-white guy, and he had red-white flyers, and ugh. but, you know, and I was yeah. happy to make the top eight, very satisfied with that. It was very rewarding, but I have to tell you about the one guy who had this deck, and his his six rares were the following. Okay. Two Rootbound Crags, one Cyclops Warrior, one Sword of Vengeance, one Garuk, and one Balamuth. Oh my God, that's insane! And I just wow, and I saw I saw all of them. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's insane. Did they happen to have M10 written on them by any chance? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> he had Cyclops Warrior equipped equipped with the Sword of Vengeance, and. Basically, he would swing and he'd say, okay, I'm going to knock that one out and kill that one out. And when he's knocking out two around, I... I right. I, no, but it was phenomenal. I mean, that was had to be, for him, I mean, that was a serious money pull. And what stuns me is, is sort of vengeance, in personal opinion, I think is going to be the artifact equipment to have. And right now I see it for three bucks. That thing, yeah, that thing is, you know, and it could be because it's it's a, uh, you know, is it going to play in standard? I mean, how many artifact equipments really do, you know, locks it on, things like that. But not a lot of equipment seems to make it in standard. But again, it's too power. It's so powerful. It's hard to not want to play that. And I could see, it, I could see it seeing some play for sure. I have yet to figure that out. Now, I understand that the reason why they're pros and I'm not a pro. Right. <laughs> um, I understand this, why they don't include that stuff. But, you know, as long as they don't destroy the equipment, it sits there. And if you bring something out 
and you just slap it on it, you know, it's now it's even now it's now it's first strike vigilance right away. You know, it's like you I don't know. I would just think that there's got to be a way to bust this card into standard. Somebody's going to somebody's got to find a way to maybe put a two of in the deck and find a way to break this thing in. Right. And and that's that's kind of the thing is it's it's not that the card's not good. It's that some people think the equipment is too slow, and sometimes it is. And if even if you look back to Lorwin Block, they had tribal equipment in there that auto equipped to the to the creature of that type, and that did not make the cut most of the time. And that's and that's uh, yeah. I mean, a card when you're playing warriors that gives your warriors like two plus two plus one in haste is sweet. Auto equips is basically. I, I mean, that's an awesome card, but it just doesn't play because that equipment in general is seen as being too slow. And it's I don't know. I think I think for one thing, it's a hyper aggressive format right now. So no one wants to play something that they don't immediately get to see benefit from. That's you know it's it's all about venge vines coming out of your graveyard and and you know super creatures just punching people in the face. Most people would rather just play an overrun or something rather than seeing equipment come down. I, I don't I, know, you know. No, I have to I have to agree with you on that. I I know, but there's it just you know, and I realize that Magic doesn't fully worry about the standard tournament level they're worried about you know they're worried about the johnnies and they're worried about the you know the timmies too that they just want to you know put something out there and go this is amazing and this will do something phenomenal boom that's why you'll never see as much as fun as cyclops warrior is in limited you'll never see that in standard it it won't it won't show up even in red deck wins it's four mana there's better things at four mana well yeah yeah exactly you won't see it in any other deck anyway because it's three red, right? So it's it, the, is that the Cy- the Cyclops Gladiator? Is that the one you're talking about? Yeah, it's a one in three red. It's the yeah. It's it's the one that allows you know to redirect damage to another creature when you attack with that. It. It's a phenomenal card, limited, but it has no home in standard, even in red deck wins. And no. after we've seen how nowadays it's funny, it's how powerful red deck wins has actually been doing. Yeah, uh, it's it really never goes away. It's always somewhere. It's just it's it's yeah. I mean, right now it's not just somewhere. It's at the top, and that's the thing that's amazing about it. It's been really really doing well. It, it won like the last Star City Games tournament, didn't it? Do you know? Yes, it did. Yeah. Yes, it did. Yeah, because uh, um, uh, the Watchman who. Joke about that he was on every podcast on the on the MTG network. Uh, he actually did the the twenty podcasts from there, and yeah, it was right. Red Deck, it was that one? That that's yeah. The is this the Watchman, Mister Suitcase too? Is that the is that the guy yeah. that did that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He he. Uh, <laughs> I had a hard time because my. Uh, podcast player actually only updates five feeds and so i wasn't even able to listen to all of those because he had so many that came out at the same time but yeah that's that's pretty uh that was pretty cool i actually appreciated his show did you get to listen to those 
Yeah, I actually did, and I thought it was really neat. You know, the one thing that I have to admit that um, that Magic players do on a high level is they're not all-encompassing of themselves. The world does not revolve around them. I mean, I, you know, I, you know, Patrick <laughs> Patrick Chapin doesn't have to spend five seconds with anybody. Right, and right. And he gave him 25 minutes on a podcast. Oh, I thought it was great. You know, I, mean, I thought even the interview with the Star City Games owner was was awesome. You know, just with him telling him how Star City Games got started and how he's not a pro, but he's doing all these pro level events. You know, and it's it's great. I mean, I the whole things he was he did a great job with. It's amazing how he took, you know, a store and just turned it into this unbelievable business that you know what there are times it's if the way this is growing and the way star city games promotes and who they get to join their uh, to join their group it's going to get to a point where competitive players might have to look at can i make more at a star cities tournament or do i skip you know am i going to skip you know you know, Grand Grand Tour Bahamas, or you know, you know, the Pro Tour in Bahamas. It's going to be interesting because they're putting up prize money that is better or close, if not better. Right. Oh yeah. And you never know. I mean, it could be something where Wizards, because Wizards is not going to want to lose money on anything, so it could be something where they look at possibly. Uh, possibly working together on this you know i'm not saying like a merger or anything but but you know possibly they're either getting kickbacks working working together in some way wizards actually maybe um yeah i don't know i mean i could just see if wizard sees it getting too out of hand where they're going to start losing money on it then then i could see them trying to get a piece of the action basically it would make sense, and I think it would be beneficial to both if if they had like some sort of mutual. I mean, they already have a mutual agreement, but if they work together, I think you'd have you might even have better tournaments. You might have with more coverage, possibly. They did such a good job with Star City Tournament. I mean, I'm just saying, like, if they work together, if Wizards actually, or maybe Star City Game will end up taking over the whole thing. It's really hard to say. Well, what do you think about the fact that now, um, personally, about the fact that you can get, uh, through Good Games Live, uh, f- direct feed from the actual tournament to actually see, co- have commentary, and to actually see what's being played? I mean, to someone like me who uh, enjoys the thrill of competition, to actually sit down and see, you know, it may not be... LSV, it may not be Patrick Chapin, but it might be the, like the two guys that are playing for the championship. You know, they may not be anybody we know, but to see how, you know, you get to see what they're playing, you get to see, you know, what do they have, what would you do, and how it works. I think to me that's fascinating. I think it's awesome. And I mean, I, I'm someone who, used to download the Wizards podcast and listen to the matches. You know, that's, that's, Wizards own podcast was not really spectacular to listen to because you would just hear a commentary of what was happening and you didn't get to hear every match. I don't know if you ever listened to it or not, 
But I didn't get to listen to that, but yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, you you don't see the match, you don't see exactly how it's going down, and so you're you're kind of just hearing to a narration of what's going on, and it isn't exactly like listening to a baseball game on the radio. You know, it's it's <laughs> it's not. You really have to use your imagination to to appreciate what's going on, but that's also like the first one of the first times I was listening to it, or not really the first time, but um, one of the times when I really appreciated it was when LSV took Pro Tour Berlin. That's really what inspired me to want to take Magic to another level. Just listening to that, even was very entertaining to me and and it's it's not an exciting podcast but i it got my imagination running and i started to believe you know what he, he hasn't been at this all that long and he just came out and you know score one for america and it was just cool i mean you know i appreciate what he did i i liked the elf elf ball deck and the fact that even though all these people were playing it he ended up winning and you know it was just it was just a fun, it was a fun time i think i think people like lsv are good for magic because i think they get more people interested in it there's just a lot of things going on and and yeah i mean the fact that now i can go on to channel fireball and watch his videos and that yeah just like you said you can go and watch actual tournaments in progress that's amazing stuff it's amazing that technology is allowing us to make ourselves better magic players well, I think the one thing that you've said already that, that really, um, if anything, in relation to what people out there should be thinking about when it comes to magic is, you know, you know, you can, you can have a favorite, um, player or you can enjoy certain things, but they now, and I, they just, they're doing more for the game of magic as far as expanding it and reaching out to other people than the Wizards community is. Now, There's no, that's nothing to say that they, they can't do more, but what I'm saying is is it reminds me of, I'm going to use a, a, a different sport reference, uh, in the 80s when the NBA was considered the not the place to be. Right. And what the players did is they started promoting themselves. Right, oh yeah, yeah. You know, it wasn't anymore, it wasn't, it wasn't the Lakers and Celtics. It was, you know, Magic Johnson. It was Larry Bird. It was Michael Jordan. It was people that the players that brought the people back to it. And I think that's what you're seeing right now here is, is they have these people. I mean, how much work does Conley Woods put in a week for Magic? Right. Exactly. You know, blogs, he, articles, videos. He doesn't have to do this, and yet he has no problem, you know, going out there exposing himself basically to, and that's the other thing I don't get, is the amount of criticism out there for it. He's giving his opinion, and he's laying out what things that he would do, and, you know, we don't all think the same, but, you know, to have the courage to write I forgot what his one article was. I think it was like 2,500 words or something wow. like that. Yeah. You're exposing yourself for everything. And, and it seems like as you see these articles develop, there's so much now into how to be a better player, 
how to improve yourself. What they're giving technique to help you get better. And it's like you said, a lot of the stuff that you're looking at doing. Now you're looking at doing Grand Prix Portland, correct? Right, correct. Yes, absolutely. Okay. What is your you're gonna you're gonna qualify. You're gonna play the qualifiers to get in, correct? Well, uh, yeah. I mean, I will play Grand Prix Portland regardless. I just have. I, I was originally just going to go in and just battle it out. I played Grand Prix Seattle. I just battled it out from from the bottom, and uh, that's what I was going to do with Grand Prix Portland because I cannot get to the Grand Prix in time to do the grinders that they usually have on Friday. Um, but fortunately, um, for some weird reason, uh, Spokane, which is where I'm from, is having a bunch of grinders, or at least in this area between Spokane and a couple of those cities right around here. And so I, I'll be able to do three, possibly four grinders without really leaving here. And, you know, if, if I manage to, to get lucky in one of those grinders, and I say lucky simply for, for the sake of, I still need a decent sealed pool. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't, I can't beat, you know, some extremely good players that'll be at these things with complete garbage. I, I, I know my limitations and I know that, you know, I just can't make garbage into gold. But if I can, if I can get, you know, a decent pool, and I can win one of these grinders, then that's three rounds of buys that I wouldn't have had the other, you know, with if I just went straight there. So, well, that's the one thing I, I really I enjoy about this too is that you see things like that. You know, you're going to be willing to do three, four grinders in order to get a chance to get three buys because grand prix are what eleven, twelve, sometimes thirteen, fourteen rounds. Yeah, the uh right, right. I think that the they're somewhere in that area. Um I believe Grand Prix Seattle was like 10 rounds and I was you know, and you have to be X and 2 really to make it into the into day 2. And I was I was 4 and 2 at one or no, I was I should say I was 4 and 1 and then I I lost the next two. So I was I was doing okay, but I also went in with no expectations. That was the first time I'd really done any competitive magic at all so other than that it's just been you know the occasional like playing with friends and occasionally going down to the store for a, a release or a pre-release which which is competitive but not on the, on the level where you're sitting next to pros when you're playing and and that's the uh i guess that's that's the thing it it really got me to want more of that i i like the feeling i like the ambiance of being in a professional tournament and you know it, it was it was very cool it was it was exciting and i'm looking for more of it even if even if i have to work my way from the bottom you know i i played uh i play ptqs online i preferred them when they were sealed because because again you know standard although i do love standard it's i i feel like i I want to play my own decks in standard, but if I play my own decks, then I'm not necessarily giving myself the best chance to win because I like to be innovative too. And and I know that there are decks out there that if you play them, then you really have the best chances to win. So 
I just I like to innovate my own things, and that's part of my problem. Well, I don't think that's necessarily a problem. I mean, if you look at if you look at people, um, again, I keep referring to them like Conley Woods, like uh, um, the guy who designed Next Level Bant. Those guys are constantly pushing the edge, and you know, all it takes realistically is you to find some combination that hits, and all suddenly you have the new deck. Which is true. The only problem I think, though, when I when I say that my problem is my innovation, is that sometimes, and this this Connolly Connolly can speak to too. He sometimes you will you will think something should work and keep pushing it too hard to work when you need to just know that you need to let it go, and and that's I think that's where sometimes it's like you know like I, I love elves for one thing, and. And I, I really want to make elves work. I just don't think it's possible. I, I, I would love to be able to say that I can go to a tournament. And the, the, the reason why it becomes really hard is because I will play it, and I will, I'll, I'll win a very large share of games. But there are some decks it just can't beat. And the problem is, I can't go to a to a ten round tournament and expect to not beat. You know, or to not play against these hugely popular decks, because if I do that, then I'm not really giving myself the best chance to win. Even if I would roll over everyone else, that's absolutely. What, you know, when you play those first set of rounds, while the pros are sitting there doing interviews, and they're sitting there with Turboland or Jund or Red Deck Wins or you know what Blue White Control or Super Friends or whatever they're sitting with. You know, you're playing against guys that are sitting there with, you know, they're not playing, they're not playing super friends. They're not playing, you know, so you're playing people that sometimes are playing homebrews. You're right, you know, and you're rolling through them, and all suddenly you're like you said, you're three and one, and you're going, hey, you know, all I got to do is, you know, or four and one, you got to do, and all I got to do is win one more, and I'm there tomorrow. And then in comes Turbo Land, and you're sitting there going, I don't answer. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly, and that's the problem. I mean, it's not—it's not so much that I'm not capable of doing it. It's that—that that sometimes I need to know when to say when. Like, I fought Jun forever because I can't stand it. <laughs> like, I hate Jun Cascade. I've made no secret about it. I put blogs up about it. I've done podcasts about it. I can't stand Jun, but that denial has also limited me because I could have used it many times. So, so I, I need to not be my own worst enemy and and hate something out of me being willing to play it. it. It really, I have to be open to the possibility that if I can't beat something, maybe I can play it, maybe innovate it, you know, change what I do in order to be able to beat them. And I think realistically, with most most of your top tier decks, you're looking at the fact that. They're the same 28 cards. And then the last six is, and the sideboard obviously, the last six can sometimes be manipulated slightly and that can make a difference. And that's where, you know, if you find the magic one or two cards to say innovate Jund, to make Jund 
you know, I mean, is a, you know, it's, even though it costs too much mana, you know, is a mycotic slime something that could make Jund better? Right, right. You know, it, it, but is it in a five drop slot that doesn't work? It's all those options out there of, you know, you know, what can you look at? And I think that's one of the things that you'll see right away. Maybe not the first set now, the first set of tournaments, but the next ones, who's going to pull in that M11 card into whatever deck right away? I mean... Well, luckily, you know, the, like, the grinders and the, the Grand Prix are going to be sealed. So my innovation yeah. and worrying about my standard decks is not going to apply as much. Since, since the actual tournament is going to be sealed, all the grinders are sealed also. Well, and I think that's where someone like you, it's a tremendous advantage because you do a lot of it online. You do it, you know, you've, your, your passion is in that, which I think helps. I think it helps because maybe after doing a couple of these, you now see, oh, wait a minute. This, this is what's coming together in it. And, you know, what can I do to, you know, make it better or how can I make it work and I yeah. think that's to your advantage exactly right and, and I agree with you I think that that uh, I do I do believe that, that sealed I, I'm fairly good at and especially since I like the fact I did really well on M10 I played PTQs online um, originally their PTQs for uh, sealed were set up in, in a way that you you played one round and it was usually uh the, well the first sealed pool that you had um got you through six rounds then if you got if you w- were one of the top in that and it was top like 64 or whatever it's based on however many people were in the tournament but uh if you were in the top in that then you went on to a second sealed pool where they gave you the packs for it and then it was a uh, top eight draft after that well now it it just you get your sealed pool and you take it takes you all the way up to the top eight draft. I wish that that had been the way it was when I had originally played it because I had this deck that was sick and I I went six and zero oh and made it into the second round of it and and got a garbage deck. I still I still won the first two rounds of that even and then just scrubbed out. It was. I know when I've got something good, and that's why I was a little worried about what I had at the pre-release because I was like, yeah, I, I do have a couple awesome cards. Unfortunately, I just don't have a lot of supporting cast, you know, and so I, I know when I can make something work, and I know when I'm going to be relying on a lot of luck, and that's that's one thing. I, I will I do know how to innovate a deck, but at the same time, I also can be realistic about it's going to be really tough to win with you know this card pool. So it's you know it's it there is a lot of luck involved in Magic even if you do have a good pull. So it's it's not all skill. Well, in your case, I think definitely with the the if you would have had that deck you were talking about through the whole tournament. I mean, do you believe? Do you believe there was any matchup within there that you you would not have felt confident winning? 
No, I, d- I don't. Yeah, I was. There was only two of us that were six and zero. Everyone yeah. else out of the four hundred and some people that were in the tournament had lost at least one. So it was. Uh, yeah, I mean, I no, I'm I'm very confident. I I had a ridiculous deck. You know, when I I had Master of the Hunt, Ant Queen, and uh, God, some something. Oh. Uh, Overrun and whatever the uh, the Hell of the Night pack and some just a bunch of a bunch of things that just made my whole deck ridiculous and I, oh yeah and I was still I was doing green and blue and I had mind control air elemental stuff that cost a lot but I had a lot of mana fixing too and it just it was it was never really close I I never really had a match at all. And that was that was kind of just the way the way it went. I just rolled over everyone, um, and all the way all the way to the to the next round. And even then, I had a like I said, not a very good deck, but I still played it to the best of my ability and still made it to the. I can't remember what my placing was. I think it was in the 40s or something. 30s maybe out of the like four or five hundred people that played in that PTQ, so I still made it fairly high for for not making it out of the second round. But yeah, anytime, it, anytime. I mean, and and I'll that you hear contradicting things about this, but my belief is anytime in an event as because standard is standards very organized. You know what you have. You know what you're playing against. When you play in something as random, literally, as that, and make it through two sets of, you know, cards that you have to manipulate and play, and make it to the top 40-something out of 400, I mean, that you got to, no matter how disappointing it seems at that moment, in the long run, now it's like, I've done this. I've gotten here. Now I can get to the next step. Yeah, absolutely. Is is it now, now it could be like, I've hit 40, now is it top 8 time? Yeah, right, and and that is the way I feel. I mean, David Ochoa was in the same tournament as I was in, and I watched him drop out like two rounds before me. So it's, you know, I've seen myself play in the same tournaments as pros and do better than them. So I know that I'm capable of doing it. It's you know it's again it's magic some of it's luck and a lot of it's skill and you know if i can run fairly well at any of these grinders that would be great if i can do good at the grand prix that would be better i have faith in myself and you know and that's and that's the thing you you're used to doing good you've been doing really well at at these tournaments and you had some pretty high expectations yourself so when you go into them you got to have a confidence you just don't want to have an arrogance because the arrogance is what's going to end up eating you up. Well, I think that's the one thing that that we've discussed about is that you know the. I think you can look at it for the fact that if you're willing to go through the grinders and you're willing to go through the stuff to get there, that there's there is a there's there is the next step. You know what I'm saying? There oh, yeah. is that to make the commitment. That's what separates a lot of people that play Friday Night Magic 
from those people who want to make the next step. Right. And yeah, exactly. Just from our conversations, you can just you can just tell that there's this growing uh, I like you said, uh, not arrogance, that's for sure. It's it's a growing self-confidence that hey, I mean this is this is, you know, this is doable. <laughs> oh yeah, I truly believe it is. I I've, I I have faith in myself, and that's that's what I think is good when when you can separate yourself. There are people. I there was a guy actually there when I had the first round buy at the pre-release. Okay, and there was a guy who came in. I didn't even have my decks with me because I wasn't planning on sticking around for casual magic or anything. Um, but. He he just sat down and he's like, oh, uh, do you wanna do you wanna play? And I said, oh, I, I don't have any decks with me right now. And then after a little while of him just sitting there, he's finally he's like, you wanna play with one of mine? And I was like, I could just tell he wasn't wanting to spend a bunch of money, but he just wanted to play Magic. And so I, I said, yeah, let's see what you got. And I so I pulled out one of his decks and he was playing, like, he just made a bunch of all gold card decks. Like one was Grixis, one was Jund. And it was just like all the gold cards from like Conflux and Alara that fit those colors. And, and it was still fun though. You know, it was a good time, but that's a guy who's not there for competitive magic. He's just there to have fun. The difference is, is, is I'm, I love magic and I have fun with magic, but I want more. And and that's the difference between me and someone who just goes in there with a bunch of random decks that they threw together and and just is looking for a game. He wasn't in the tournament, he just wanted to play, you know. So But those are the people that in the long run that are gonna keep magic from being I don't wanna say elitist, but you know, becoming this exclusive club of only these only you know, only the X people can play tournament level. Right. And that that guy who came in and sat down with you and said, hey, you just want to play, have some fun. Those are the people that are going to have four or five friends and keep buying enough packs to keep, to help the bottom line of Magic survive. Right. And, those are the people that when they play, that they have kids, that all suddenly it's like, hey, what's this? And all suddenly now, you're teaching someone else how to play. That's you know your own child, and all suddenly it's like they're they're interested in it, and they might go, well, okay, dad does X, but oh wait, I can do this and this and this, and who knows? I mean, that guy could be. The guy who is the next, you know, is the next Patrick Chapin runs yeah. into has the kid that comes to become the next one. You know, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, the the guy had no no less love for me or than me for the game. He just appreciated it in a different way than I and I and I appreciated it in that way too. I just I just wanted more from it to where, you know, like again, I'm I'm at the tournament playing to win. And, you know, if I'm playing with my friends, I don't care as much. But, you know, but I still care. That's the thing. It's, that's, that's the thing about me. Some people really, really just play and don't care whether they win or lose. And I care because I don't really play games unless I want to win. 
unless I'm willing to try and win it kind of that's the fun in it for me is the competitive side and that's anything absolutely you know absolutely I think that's I think and when it comes to competitive nature either you're born with it or you don't yeah um, I my my casual group as I like to call them um, like I, I I told you I mean I have a guy who hasn't changed his decks in 10 years <laughs> and still playing with the same decks he's been running with and for some unknown reason he gets matched up with the right partner and he wins and you know to him he's getting together and he's having a good time right and I'm sitting there and I'm keeping track of notes and I'm keeping track of wins and losses and I'm keeping track of how my decks did and that's I mean just that one table of four people there's the dramatic difference of someone who just just plays the game to play the game to get together and those of us that are going okay if I could remove this card or maybe add this card (laughs) how am I making it better and it's it's weird And, and it's nice because when I get to hear what you're saying you know it's like it's like I wish I had the ability to do events like that myself. Um, finances tend to get in the way in my Whoa. case in time. Right, but, uh, right. You know, I, I think, um, oh, well, just happened to be stumbling onto the Internet while we're doing this. Uh-huh. Um, uh, Patrick Chapin will be in Grand Prix Portland. Really nice. You see, yes. yes. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like I didn't even like Conley. I guess was at was at Grand Prix Seattle, and I didn't even know he was there. So that was that was me kind of being oblivious to that. I, I've since Grand Prix Seattle come a long way, and things are more important to me now. And I'm learning from the pros. And so, you know, if I known that that Conley was there, I would have went looking for him. You know, and but. That's that's cool. I mean, you know, Patrick Chapin is going to be at Grand Grand Prix Portland. I'll be looking for other people to see. You know, I know Conley likes to try and do as many Grand Prix as he can, so hopefully he'll be there. And you know, maybe LSV will be there. He was at the uh, the port or at the Seattle tournament also. So now, when you were at Grand Prix Seattle, did you? Did you get an opportunity to watch any of the preferred, or I'm sorry, the, let me get my verbiage wrong, the, the showcase matches? No, I didn't because I, well, here's the thing, I was playing, I was playing elves back then, and I yeah. rolled through, through the matches that I played, but I would, I would then go to the people that I was there with and, and watch oh. their matches. I should probably have gone to see just to see because and that's again a place an area that will be different for me this time is because I want to be able to see those the, those pros play and learn from them too. Uh, you know, I was supporting my friends, which was cool, but this time it's really just going to be me, and so it will be a uh, it'll be a different experience, and I'll be more concerned. And I might even possibly you know see if I can in between. Uh, see if I can, you know, pull one of them aside and get an interview or something, because I would like to talk to them and you know pick their brain a little bit, and you know rather than just be from a casual side like the suitcase was, yeah. it would be from a, another competitor's side, someone who's really interested in the competitive side of Magic. 
Oh, absolutely, and that would be a tremendous. I mean, think of what happened um, with another one of the shows. Uh, I like um, UMTG Taps. Oh yeah, I love that the, show. Yeah, uh, of course, on the Mothership Network, <laughs> and they uh, they had a series of interviews, and then the one interview I thought was hilarious. You could. Barely hear it clearly, but they had Patrick Chapin. Boy, how many times I've mentioned that. Oh, yeah. Was that the one where they were in the car? <laughs> yeah, they're in the that car. That was awesome. Yeah. I wrote, I wrote, I wrote them an email about that and, uh, he replied back, like, it was like, he, the thing about it was, is the interview was good. He says, but the stuff you didn't hear was even better. Oh, I'm sure it was. And it's like, I mean, you know, how, I mean, how often can you say, oh, yeah, I got to sit in a three-and-a-half-hour car ride? You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just BSing with him the whole time. Have, have you, have you, did you ever watch, or watch, did you ever listen to the Magic School Bus by any chance? I've heard of it. Okay. I didn't get to listen to it. See, when I originally was starting this podcast, it was kind of, my intent was to be in their image, um, I started it while they were, the first episode I should say was while they were still going on and then I had some personal life issues go on and so I didn't have a second episode for a long time and the, uh, by then they were done. It was a great podcast. It was probably one of the most popular podcasts and which is the reason why it's, it's been replayed on, on the MTG cast. They've, they've put up the like, you know, um, I can't remember what they refer to them as, but they're kind of the classic episodes of things, and they just replayed their whole series. That's the way they were, you know. They if they they'd pull Pat Chapin aside or or you know other people aside and do these interviews, and it was totally no holds barred, just be be BSing. Conley came from Magic School Bus; that's where he originally like was on. So uh, he's a little more reserved on Monday Night Magic, but it was. Uh, it was just being able to be free and be yourself and and that was what made magic school bus so great is because everyone was just themselves talking magic and and so it was it was hugely popular and then they just got busy doing other things and they had to to scrap it but you know and Tom stole Conley and you know that's what we have well, and like I said, I mean, there's, I mean, you think about it now, I mean, there's, there are so many options through the MTG cast network that, that you can listen to from, actually, it's funny, and, and I was, I was rather disappointed that they've gone on hiatus, but, um, I really enjoyed the avant card show because they were so funny, and, um, yeah, and they're still around, right? They just aren't putting anything out right now. They are. No, no, no. And I loved, uh, oh, I'm gonna keep forgetting her name. Um, they had, they had the girl in it and she was just so funny with some of the things that she would say and, and do. And, oh, this one's pretty because I like this one. <laughs> and that's the beautiful thing about this is that you can get it from that level yep. you know, all the way up to high tech, like, you know, Another one of my favorite podcasts is, and he doesn't he doesn't do a lot of them. Is the Jin's Playground? Oh, he's awesome. The Jin's awesome. It's like yeah, getting him getting him to show up for one of these every month and a half. It's like it's a treat. It's like oh, right. the Jin's all right. Yeah, I gotta watch, listen to this right away. And it's twenty seven minutes or thirty minutes, no holes barred. He fires it out, and away yep. he goes. And I love that. 
Well, I think it's what may I think it's what's best, which is you know, that's that's I I guess what I would say is there's just so many people that are so reserved. And I've paid talked to Tom several times about how how I really appreciate the fact that he's he's not as reserved as he used to be because he used to be almost and this is a little bit of an exaggeration but almost magic sock like where he just kept it really 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 family friendly you know and and that was fine but i just felt like tom wasn't really being himself when he was doing that and now you just he's just crazy you know and and i and i like the fact that he's being a little more open now of course they rarely talk about magic anymore but you know it's just the it's it's the fact that that they can do that and they've got this huge following and and it's just like the school bus being yourself is what makes people want to listen if if you're an interesting person and you can be yourself and you know you can talk a little smack and you can you know maybe be you know just just be yourself and have fun with what you're doing then you're going to have a good show and that's that's what I believe is important. That's that's what I wanted to do, and and that's why I think it's, you know I really why people have said like on the comments. I don't know if you've looked on the shows is that people have said you know where's where's your Nancy or you know Sally or whatever because my former co-host and I had that kind of being able to you know banter back and forth and it wasn't always about magic. We tried though you know most of the time it was, and it just because when you had something on your mind that wasn't necessarily magic, we didn't say, oh, I, I shouldn't talk about that. You know, no, nah, you just let it flow, and if it's natural, it makes a good show. Well, so. yeah, because, I mean, you can try to script as much as you can, but if you're not being honest to the people who are listening, they'll know it. They'll know it immediately. Right. You know, the, there's because, like I said, again, there's so many options out there, you know, if you're not, you know, you're not giving them what they're supposed to get, you know, they're they're gonna be like, well, okay, this this sucks. <laughs> you know, I well, absolutely, man. Yeah, I mean, people people want it want to. The main thing is, you can talk all the magic in the world, but if people aren't being entertained, no one's gonna be interested. So you've got to be able to walk the fine line of being able to entertain people and still keep the content in the show. So I can't just sit there and read off a generic list of, and, and this card <laughs> no, was this good. I think that's that. actually been done before, and uh, I don't think it does that well for some strange reason. Uh, somehow that, it, that doggone internet gets in the way of that. Um, there yeah. is funny, it is funny. Um, there is one thing I, I, I did talk to, um, again, the guy who runs this, the card trading part of it, and... He was going to go to GP Minneapolis, but um, ran into the. Uh, he was going to play Super Friends. Uh huh. Yeah. And acquired all the Super Friends, and started playing with it, and realized it didn't work. <laughs> and he got very disappointed with it. But he was. We were talking, and uh, a lot of the things are going to be the same. He believes that. You know that the Black Titan is is the best, and he says what you could see as a combination to make Black Titan really work. And I, and after he told me this, I kind of I sat down and I, I wrote it down and I looked at it and I you know I looked went home and I looked at the combination is 
turn four consuming vapors or turn three depending on if you can get something out there to speed up your mana. Right. Turn five mind sludge. Turn mm-hmm. six black titan. Yeah. No yeah. answers. They're out of cards. They're out of luck. And you got your beater that just keeps duplicating two twos. Yeah, that's true. That's very, very, very true. Um, and really, what are you going to do about that? I mean, Venge Vines aren't going to stop that. That that deck doesn't have any answers for that period. So it's just you know, it's. I agree that that is a good plan. He was talking about blue white control that he was talking about going into now, and he said, right now with eight one drop white removals mm-hmm. and mana leak. He said, he said blue white should should run the gamut here, and he says he doesn't see with you know with how it should be stopped, and you know it, it was funny that the this in between round conversation all suddenly extended around by like twenty minutes because we just kept talking about it, and it was like it, and that's one of the nice things again, you know he is. If you ask him any question, you know, what do you think about this card? You'll go, okay, well, it's worth 20 bucks. What my opinion of it? It sucks. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. You, to get honesty is one thing, man. Oh, for sure. Yeah, well, I mean, and that's, he's right about the, about the blue white, too. I mean, white, white has the best removal in the game. So, you know, I mean, a doom blade is not a path to exile. And, as much as you know, black used to have the best removal in the game. It's it's got to go to to white right now, especially with two one drop removal spells. Um, well, he said he even said to combine crystal ball in it, and that is the one thing that we talked about earlier. Crystal ball is is such an answer. It can scoop the cards you want out. It can put cards on the bottom. I mean, matches I lost was because of Crystal Ball. See, I never saw it, but yeah, I could believe that for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was pretty I fortunate know. not. That's just my opinion on it. No, I agree. I think I think Crystal. I'm no. I mean, I'm not saying I didn't see the the Crystal Ball being good. I'm saying I never actually saw it being used. But yeah, I definitely could see you making a serious deck if you had the right cards. You could do a lot with with Crystal Ball. I mean, sometimes it's not it's. Some decks it's going to be much better in than others, but Crystal Ball is is a really good card, and people just weren't sure what to think of it. Some people thought it'd be amazing, and other people were just, you know, I, I don't know how it's going to to actually work once it's actually actually out there. But uh, to be honest with you, I thought Baneslayer was was over high overrated when it first came out, and look, you know, I was wrong. So. You didn't trade him away right away, did you? If you I, I didn't, I didn't get any. I was just, I was when I saw it on the on the release, I was like, okay, so it's a card that dies to Path to Exile and everything else. You know, it's it, I, at the time I was so used to the previous format where everything was control. You know, you just didn't really think of aggressive single creatures. You know, I played swarming elves because. One wasn't necessarily more important than the other one, you know. But with 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 a creature that you're riding on like that, it's like it just seemed like it was so easy to die to removal. And then quickly the format became 
super aggressive and and I was wrong. <laughs> you know, which I'm willing to admit because you can't really become a better player if you're not willing to admit when you're wrong. So but yeah, that was um, the one thing No, go that ahead. was the one thing that I I saw right away that I thought would work is and a lot of people were dumping them right away were ever flowing chalices back in worldwide. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I agree. I I I like that card a lot. So, I mean, I I I kind of am with you. I thought that it was going to be really good. I think a lot of people just didn't know how, you know, it would it would work. So, yeah, that that was the thing and I really when I got them early, people were like dumping them. I you know, I was finding them in there in the quarter bin. <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, you'd go through and all suddenly there's four of them. Okay, I'll take them. I'll buy them. I, people just didn't see the value in them, and then all suddenly, you know, even as early as turn two to get that extra one mana, so all suddenly in turn three you have four mana. You know, it, it, here's Baneslayer. Right. Wham. Yeah. Oh no, I know. Yeah, it's definitely sick, and it's used all the time now. So yeah, now it's a mainstay. I mean, that's yeah. the thing is if if and you were talking earlier about what it's going to take to innovate a deck can. You know, what is the one card, you know, that that could be the thing? And I honestly think that in that blue-white control deck, I really think if you don't get Jace out there, Jace 2.0, oh, right. the crystal ball can be... It, it can be ridiculous in that deck. Oh, and yeah. Even you think crystal ball with Jace together. Right, exactly. That's That's... Those two are going to be sick together, and uh, you know, I mean, even if if anyone hasn't actually looked at it, uh, you know, Mike Flores released an article already um, that you can find. Uh, look at his Twitter feed; uh, you can find that that shows uh, he he just has a bunch of deck ideas, uh, you know, using simple, often simple, but but kind of incorporating the new cards from M11 into old decks like not not old decks like last year old but old previous versions of decks using mana war and things like that with aether adepts and stuff and he just he he innovated these decks to try and be similar to old decks or to just say i could see these decks being good and so it's cool to see that you know cards like you were saying like those two i believe are actually in the deck i know for sure jace's of course but but it's just there are a lot like control is going to have a serious um, turnaround now with M11 because it's just got so much. Blue's got a lot, a lot more cards out there that they can play with now. So, um, well, actually, I though, I think uh, I'm probably going to have to wrap up here um, okay. for the night. But I think this has been an awesome show. You know, um, I think that I really appreciate having you on and. Your input has been awesome, so it's going to be really good to have you here. Uh, well, I appreciate the opportunity. I mean, you know, you had plenty of options out there. Hopefully the viewers enjoy it, too, or the listeners, sorry, enjoy right. it, too. I mean, to me, it's fun. I love anything that, like you said, is innovative, that's cutting edge. 
I'm all for it. And that's one of the reasons why I, that's one of the reasons why I inquired when you put the thing out there. You know, you said you were looking for something that was going to make it different. Right. Better. Right. I'm hoping that that's the answer, you know? Oh, yeah, man, for sure. I think, I think it's, it's, this is just this whole, you know, this episode's been really good and I think it's, it will continue to get better. Um, I appreciate, you know, you, you getting a hold of me and, being interested in being on the show i definitely looking forward to listener feedback um definitely on the show notes you can put it there and you can obviously email the manuscript at gmail.com and you know looking forward to feedback definitely i mean if there's something you liked or disliked or something you want different you know don't hesitate i mean you know obviously you know the passion that he has for the show. I mean, it's showing throughout this. So you know, you know, whatever it takes to make it better. I mean, I'm definitely open to anything. Very cool, man. And I, I totally agree. Uh, if you do want to get a hold of the show, once again, he just said manuscript at gmail dot com. Uh, on Twitter, you can find me tangent dyn, and Beamy is uh, is it the Beamy? The Beamy, yeah, the, the Beamy, Beamy on Twitter. So. And then also, if you want to hit me up on Magic Online, it's Tangent DYN on Magic Online also. And we will respond to the comments in the forums, and we will also read your comments on the show. So get a hold of us, and uh, we'll get back to you. Um, until uh, next week, unless we have anything we decide that we want to talk about before then, um, pretty much that's about it. I'm Tangent. I'm the Beamy, and I appreciate you guys listening. Have a great weekend. Yeah, right. Thanks a lot. Later. <laughs>